Hello, listeners. Cap here with a special message before we begin this week's podcast. We've saved this entry for our last full episode of the season. When we recorded it two months ago, I realized that it was the perfect example of what we wanted this podcast to be. A conversation between two people who cared enough to listen to what the other had to say, even if we don't always agree with what was being said. It is instructive for those who want to become a little bit better today than they were yesterday. It is a love song to the hope that we can all just get into rhythm with a common beat, the heartbeat of humanity. It is the perfect way to end our first season of the podcast. Next episode, I'll have a short season recap, and over the month ahead, we'll have some outtakes from some of the season's episodes. Please tune in next week to find out how you can give us feedback to help us feel our way to whether we should do a second season. If we do decide to do a season two, it will begin sometime this fall. For both Charlie and for me, this has truly been a labor of love in the truest sense of those words. We hope that feeling came across in the podcast and that it helped someone out there who needed to think less and feel more. Now, grab your favorite beverage or put on your walking shoes and let's chat one more time. Oh, and welcome to the Thinking Not Podcast. I'm Cap, and I'm joined by my good friend and spiritual exemplar, A. Charles. Charlie, we have, over the course of our friendship, talked around spirituality, but I don't know that we've ever had a really deep heart-to-heart conversation about it. So I'm thinking today's that day. All righty. So just as a teaser, tell me, were you... Raised in a religious environment? Yes. The, uh, my was it pa- Catholic? It was. My, uh, my dad was uh, Catholic by birth, by birth, at birth. My mom converted to Catholicism uh, after they decided to get married. My, my mom and my dad, she converted to Catholicism. So I was uh, raised going to church and I went to a parochial school, a Catholic uh, grammar school. I also went to a Catholic high school, all boy Catholic high school in Washington, D.C. So as far as the Catholic church was concerned, I was a full-fledged member in good standing. Gotcha. Okay. And how did that upbringing influence some of your current thinking about spirituality? And I know that's a big question, but well, we all have a starting place with it. Mm-hmm. So that was my starting place. I have not stayed there mm-hmm. uh, for reasons that perhaps we'll, yeah, we'll get, get into. into. Um, but, you know, uh, most religions that I've read about and or experienced uh, do have uh, entry-level beliefs that, that they ask you to... Um, Consider, if not, subscribe to. And by that, do you do you mean 
uh, christening and catechism and well, there are rituals involved. Yeah. Okay, uh, but the the rituals are supposed to be symbolic, and what uh, what they symbolize no longer has any meaning. We have disconnected between what they were intended to represent these rituals. We have lost the connection with the intention behind the creation of the ritual. We think the ritual is the magic. It's not. I, I've got you. I've got you. This is going to be an interesting conversation today. No I like it. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing more about that during our conversation. For much of my life, as I as I just told you off air, I have been fascinated with different approaches to spiritual beliefs, whether it's Hinduism or Catholicism or perhaps a more New Age kind of approach. I've been fascinated with different called, people's approach. How about woo-wooism? Woo-wooism. Okay. Woo-wooism. <laughs> yes. Very good. Well, I'm eager to engage in a thoughtful exploration with you, Charlie. I've got my list of questions to get our conversation started. So if you're ready, let's grab a cup of coffee and chat. All righty. The Thinking Knot is a podcast developed to help those who are trying to become better, a little bit better today than yesterday. It is an honest dialogue about the real-life challenges we each encounter as intention meets obstacle in the course of an every day. In our conversation, we weigh rational thought against our gut feeling of what is right, and we forge a path together using what is in our hearts, if we can all just awaken and get into rhythm with that beat. Thanks for joining today's discussion. All right, Charlie, so let me just open up our discussion today. You uh, mentioned some things about the rituals and how we have gotten away from the ritual. So just as a gotten away from the meaning, uh, from the meaning, I'm sorry, I apologize. You're correct. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, from I just the meaning to of the, yes, no. Uh, so we've gotten away from the meaning of the ritual, what that is supposed to represent and how did it develop? What did, how, I mean, the ritual just wasn't born whole cloth. It started because it went, oh, yeah, that would really kind of like help us get in the mood for what this is, you know, or whatever the transition is, uh, that the baptism, confirmation, first communion, I'm just listening Eucharist, to Catholic all things. The, yeah. Yeah. But whatever the transition are to mark development stages in a person's uh, emotional and uh, perhaps ethical, like moral development, where they get a sense of what's right and what's wrong. And that is under the tutelage, and I use that word gently, uh, of some people who supposedly know better than a six or seven-year-old might know what would be right and what would be wrong. Okay, maybe. Maybe not. 
I didn't know at the time. A lot of people found out a lot of things about different religions and different practices that were different than what we thought. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not limited to religions. It's in every organization, hashtag me too, hashtag whatever. Yes. All right. So, uh, our idols have feet of clay. Our institutions have human beings at their organizational and operational level. Uh, the institutions may have been established with lofty intentions, but the execution now and, and the meaning behind all of the show is just show now. We're really not dedicating ourselves to anything spiritual. We're just ticking the box saying, yep, I got them baptized. Yep, they had their first communion. Yep, they got confirmed. Yep. Kind of like the Mother's Day card of uh, our, our... Of our spirituality. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And it's all surface. It's all appearance. It's all, it's all show. And we hope. This is what parents do. And this is what <laughs> nuns and priests do, too. And again, forgive me. This broad strokes. But they expose us to all this with the hope that it hits somewhere in our spirit, somewhere in our spirit. They're hoping that exposure to these principles and or commandments and or instructions are going to guide us in our choices so that we can feel good about the life we're living. That's never communicated. That this is supposed to help me feel better about the life I'm living. I'm told to do that or I will be yes. disciplined in ways that have long-lasting. eternity. Yes. Right. Have long-lasting impact on, on how the rest of eternity goes for me. That's, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. And it doesn't start when I'm 16. It starts when I'm <laughs> six, seven, eight. Ooh, there's a lot of things that I'm not supposed to do that almost want to come naturally to me and I'm mm -hmm. not supposed to do them. And it's very confusing. Why not? And no one tells me really why not. Just don't do it. You just not, just don't do it. You don't have to know why. Just don't do it. That is a tough, tough ask for anybody who's, Curious. But before we started talking today, you asked me a question. I can't remember exactly how it went, but you asked me a question. What does that have to do with spirituality or something along those well, lines? What is spiritual and, about that? Yeah, what is spiritual about that? And I think that a good place for us to begin the discussion today, although we've already begun it, <laughs> is, is just what do you consider, what, when you think of that word spirituality, what does it mean to you? Uh, it's a place where my words fall short, just like right now. It's a place that I know I can't define, but it's a, it's a feeling that I, can have um, that 
it almost it's it's uplifting or or it it piques my curiosity about something like i i get curious and interested and 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 engaged um in a way that isn't trying to drive my mind into a solve a problem it's trying to open my heart into feeling for what's in there in my heart what am i feeling now my feelings my emotions are closer to my spirituality than my brain okay it's hard to describe proximity because they're all virtual but in terms of what actually motivates me to act so at the point of choice i'm more concerned with how i'm feeling than what i'm thinking I will use my thinking to justify my actions based upon my feelings. I will very easily sacrifice my thinking if I feel a different way. Because I'll go with my feeling. So that's why I say my feelings are closer to my spirit than my thinking is. Because I will prioritize. And when I choose to make an action, I generally choose to act on what I'm feeling more so than what I'm thinking. So you just talked about your spirit. Mm -hmm. Define that for me. What do you mean by your spirit? Well, the best way I can put it again is, is when we talk about the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So if you dissect all of the separate facets of what I consider to be my humanity or my self, my concept of self, when you put it out into different pieces, I can see like, okay, I can see I have a thinking facet, I have a sexual component, I have a educational background, I have all these different facets that comprise my self. When I combine them, because they are combined in me, I am an entity of energies that are flowing and responding to stimulation or thoughts or whatever. When I put them all together, I'm more than just those pieces. Something emerges from that combination of energies, mental, emotional, physical, something emerges that is, that kind of like contains them all, but doesn't explain them all. It, it can harmonize them all, or it can become out of balance with some energies being more predominant or, or compulsive or obsessive. I can be thoroughly obsessed with my body. And that could be how it looks, how it feels, how it performs. I can be thoroughly involved with that and not give a hoot about how I feel. Or if I connect with anything bigger than what do I need to eat? What do I need to do to continue to optimize my physical experiences here on this planet? So... You use the word connect. You've used the word energy. Is your, when you think of your spirit, do you think of it as an energy? Do you think of it as 
the uh, and I use this term lightly, but the shell that contains various energies and that word connect struck a spark for me because I think that for some people being spiritual, there is a component of connectedness to something bigger than them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I usually like to start with something other than me. I don't okay. know if it's bigger or smaller. Yeah. I want to not be an island uh, nation. I don't want to be like a kingdom of one. Although I did sit on the throne for a while in my own uh, worldview until I, of course, got my ass handed to me <laughs> <laughs> by any number of circumstances and people. But that's, we all need it. Uh, we talk about getting knocked off your high horse. Uh, so it's not an uncommon experience. It's just some of us go, ooh, they want to get back up. And other people go, oh, I really didn't belong up there in the first place. That's great. Glad you guys took me down where I didn't belong. But that doesn't make me feel less than. I look around at people who are riding horses and go, ooh, wow. <laughs> okay. You know, like, okay. And eventually... We belong on the ground together, but not yet. But it's not for me to knock you down. It's just for me to know that at some point. You'll be down here with me. We will all need to be down on the ground together. We just will. Because that's just where we belong, connected. And this connection, we I had used the uh, concept of self uh, as a membrane when we talked about yes. boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. We're stuff passes through right. and it's an yes. in out process but that's on every realm now so i have a corporal realm a body realm i've got an emotion realm where feelings come at me and i let feelings out i've got ideas that come in i get ideas that go out and i have spiritual energy that comes in like i can pick up on somebody's vibe mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that they're angry or anything you just can see like ooh, ooh, okay Something's going on there. And I don't know what that is. But if I pretend that that's not true, chances are I'm not going to really pay much attention to that person. Because I just got a a vibe and I just kind of back off them for whatever reason. And I don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. I just go, "Eh." That is a spiritual uh, response. I mean, it's a natural response. And then I would like to overcome that response because I have been off-putting in my life. I have given off like vibes that stay stay clear. Stay clear, not in the mood, right. Or even not fit for human company. And people have honored that or people have questioned me about that. And I can tell my spiritual, quote-unquote, conditioning by how I react when somebody cares for me. Somebody comes over and tries to do something caring, say something, offer me something, whatever, and I am snarly, snarly, curt, or less than appreciative. I know that I'm self-absorbed into something. That's not wrong, but I should pay attention to that. You know, I should go and perhaps settle myself somewhere, center myself somehow. Even if I take five minutes and go to a restroom stall and say, hey, what's going on here? 
because it's not you. You didn't do anything. You came up and you were nice. And all I was like thinking, it's like, why is he bothering me? Or, or you're nice, but please go away. And and if I don't pay attention to that, I can run through my whole day and a whole bunch of people who are trying to be nice to me. Yes. In a snarky kind of way. And then I wonder at the end of the day why I just feel like this day sucked. I might have been part of the suck. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to have a suck day and still be lovable. I want to be able to have an off day and still be okay. And I am. But it has to start with me giving myself an okay. I don't like how that went. But if I go... Yeah, that was pretty cool. I kept everybody out, you know, at arm's length, and I, you know, and I thought that that was a successful day. I'm going to have a very, well, disconnected, uh, disjointed life, or week, or next day, or whatever it is. So spirituality involves accepting that when I'm just me by myself. I'm entitled to stay with me by myself, but I don't really enjoy life as much because I do like input. I do like somebody to give me a, an idea that I didn't have on my own or a perspective that may help me. I like that. I think many people who, some of whom believe in a God or gods and some who don't still feel the need, still feel connectedness with people, that there's something at work where there is some connection. Is that a, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a, uh, a very skeptical question right now, but is that a sociological need or is it a spiritual sense that we and you do you understand what I, I what think I'm, I think I do. Uh, one of the very first things we accept as a human being or fight as a human being is that we have limits. We have time and space that have come with a body. Outside of a body, Time doesn't exist. Space doesn't exist. I need a time. I need a body to, in order to experience sequence and specific sensations. And so I place them in a place and I place them in a time and place. And that's part of my human experience. If I don't have this, then time doesn't, I don't need to talk about time. I'm just talking about what is happening. And that's part of what happens in the human experience is that I can sequentially break things down, but it still doesn't tell me what I really felt through the moment, through the process. When you said this, you use these words. I said this, I use these words. We have it, you know, on paper, we have it in recording, but how you felt about those words and how I felt about those words may end up with a misunderstanding and not an understanding. And that can be confusing because you know the definition of these words. I know the definition of these words, but you don't know what you mean by spirituality. And I don't know what you mean by spirituality. And we'll use the word 
And that's why we started off recording by saying, what exactly do you mean by spirituality? Why does, because the question was, is an afterlife part of what we need as human beings to give us, oh, I don't know, some sense of purpose, some sense of this isn't just, you know, get born, suffer, and die. It's not just a mechanical function. Right. Yes. Right. On, on, on Earth's plane, that's it. And the thing that people uh, have tried to ask is, what is it between us, between people? Like yes. It could be a mother, father, brother, sister. What, what is it between us that I will put your well-being on par with mine? In other words, I would put my life in your hands or put my life in risk for you. Or if there was not enough to eat, I would give you mine. If only one of us could make it, mm -hmm. I'd be willing to let it be you and not me. What that feeling is, is love. Willingness to not put yourself above just put yourself equal and when i am as equal as you and i can see that you are as hungry as i am and my impulse is to give you more of what would be equally mine and i just want to say make sure you have enough because i don't know maybe you have a baby maybe you have whatever and and i'm willing not to starve myself i mean i do want to if we can possibly both make it I'm all on board with that. So I'm not trying to, to, to leave. But if, if the reality of the moment is there's one of us is going to make it and one of us that, that does not. One who says, go ahead. We can't explain that. But we will tell each other that's, that's, that's got to be something bigger than us. That's got to be a feeling that we can't explain, but we won't deny. That the way I feel about you has nothing to do with biology, has nothing to do with uh, what's right Well, uh, in terms of fair. It has everything to do with how I feel and what would give my life the purpose I would like my life to have. Which is if I tell you I really love you, then I want to act that way. I don't want to just say it. And then when the push comes to shove, I go, well, I know I said it, but, you know, come on. I'm stronger than you are. I should, you know, I, I'll carry on the species more than you will or whatever I tell myself that I deserve it more than you do. I want to deserve everything equally. And Does it, does it matter to you if that's a learned response versus an innate response? I think it's a chosen response. And by, by yes, that, I yeah. mean, um, we will try, we will experiment with a loving response in our life. We will put somebody else first. We will, you know, take second fiddle. We will give them the biggest or the last piece of pizza, whatever it is that we consider like, oh, well, you know, I didn't have to do that. And we do it without looking like, did anybody notice? Did anybody see how nice I was or how good I was or how generous I was or how? Because that's not the point. The 
point of love is just love. And whoever notices it, notices it, and then whoever doesn't, doesn't. But I'm true to me when I, when I do what I do. I'm being true to me, so there's no sacrifice. And what it shows you is that I really mean what I say. When I say you're important to me, you matter to me, you're as important to me as me, and then I act that way, something changes in our relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. That allows you, too, to say, well, if you can feel that way about me, I'm going to feel that way about you. And what do we call that? I don't know. Let's just call it love. For, and you can call it amore. You can call it, it doesn't matter the word. It's the feeling. The feeling of like, we're in this together. You and me, I got your back and you got mine. So we go through life sharing and not competing. We can compare how did your crops come in or how did, your, how did that apple taste or what, whatever it is. We can compare, but not compete. We can say, have some of my watermelon. It's a little sweeter. Yours is a little mealy. Don't. You know, you didn't do anything wrong. Watermelons, you know, just go. So the idea that if mine is good and yours isn't so good, then you did something wrong is false. We don't compete for goodness. We share it. That's love. So love isn't out there. Love is something that comes from in here that I give out there. And then when I'm giving love, people say, oh, and this is the law of attraction. When I'm showing the universe that I respect and appreciate love, the universe goes, well, let me bring you some lovers. A younger version of, at this point in, in my life, I am happy with just giving and receiving love and not questioning where it started, where it came from. But a younger version of me would ask the, the question, is that in itself conditioned in us the sense that the only way a community really survives and thrives is if we have that caring for each other. That's what a community is supposed to all be about, is it's larger than the, the single person. And together, you help each other to thrive. And, you know, the younger version of me would have said, okay, is that something that has become part of our natural instinct because we have found through generation after generation after generation of evolution, that that is how a community does well. So getting back to this question of spirituality, is that a, is that sense that, does it matter if that sense that we have, that we should help each other, whether it comes from, uh, a spiritual realm or whether it comes from decades uh, or decades, uh, 
thousands and thousands of years of evolution? Evolution is trial and error. That's the easiest way yeah. to explain so the person, it. So the person on their own died because they didn't have somebody to tend to their wound or whatever. Whatever so, it was. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one way of caring for each other. I can, I can be perfectly healthy and die uh, from emotional neglect, from uh, a, a spiritual withering where I am just constantly feeling disconnected, constantly feeling um, that there is no uh, sustenance, no support, no nourishment in this world. It's just everybody wants to take, 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 take. And I got nothing left to give. It's, it's that scarcity mentality. I have to be really careful, really careful with my caring because, you know, I only have so much. And that's an idea that I think is just an idea, but we use it to hold back. And my experience has been that when I don't know how much caring I have, but I'll give you what I have, I'll give you 100% of all the caring I have in this moment. Now, it may not be like as good as I could have done yesterday or as good as I did last year or even as good as I can do two hours from now. But if I'm giving you what I got right now to the best of my ability, you'll see it. You'll feel it. You won't say, that's all you got. You'll say, well, thank you. And then you'll, chances are, say something that contributes and I'll get a little something back and then I'll say something in return and you'll get, a, so there's a, a, a back and forth that we miss in our conversations these days. It's like most people take conversations as alternating monologues. You say what's on your mind and I'll listen completely and then I'll shut up and you say what's on your mind and you listen, don't interrupt. You listen completely. And at the end, do we understand each other? Well, I heard what you said, but I can't really say that I understood it. Why wouldn't I ask? Like, what did you mean when you said that word? Because I know what I meant by that word, but what do you mean? And if I'm willing to have that type of conversation as we're doing right now on this podcast, an understanding develops emerges between us that we feel better about that I could say, oh, we kind of like grew our connection. We, you know, let love lead the way and we grew closer by talking about things we don't understand. I'm not trying to explain spirituality to you. I'm trying to tell you that it already exists between us. That, that love is what love is. And when we use those words to each other and we know we mean them, when I tell you, I love you, Cap, and you go, I love you too, we know that that's real. But I can't tell you what exactly that is. But I know that it's more than you and it's more than me. It's something that is growing in between us. It's something that is shared, a connection that has some words. It has real feelings, and part of the feeling is trust. Part of the feeling is safety. Safety, yes. Part of the feeling is open-mindedness. 
Mm-hmm. Like you're not trying to convince me of anything. You're trying to explore and be curious. And yes. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm trying to tell you, God, it's taken me 70 years sometimes to get to some of these things. And you want to ask me and I'm trying to try to summarize it as best I can. And I get breathy and I get like, oh, I can't possibly say this in any way that's going to do it justice. And yet you do. You and do try, every week, Charlie. I, I, just, I just try. <laughs> You know, I think that coming, one of the things that I have really appreciated about our conversations is coming out of the last couple of years of the pandemic and before that, a couple of years of political turmoil, there were so many conversations that were monologues where all people were trying to do was to get the other person to understand their point. They weren't interested in understanding the other persons. They just wanted you to understand me. Mm-hmm. And so I have I have appreciated the conversations that we've had where there is an attempt at mutual understanding, uh, even though there is always some element of exasperation and inability to articulate exactly what we mean, because some of these topics are pretty, pretty heavy topics. But from a spirituality point of view, do we need, do you believe that we need to just accept and revel in that acceptance and that love, or are we okay to continue to question and explore? Of? What do we... Uh, uh, The concept of of spirituality, because I know for you, it sounds like spirituality and love are the same thing. Well, yeah. Because... Spirituality isn't a thing, and love isn't a thing. Sweetness isn't a thing. Fear isn't a thing, except it moves me. All these things move me. Sugar moves me. Salt moves me. Spirit moves me. I see a sunset, or I see a butterfly, or I see a baby Googling something or oogling at something and I just like melt or I see a dog, puppy or whatever. I mean, there's moments in my life every day that just touch me in a way that go, whoa, whoa, that's, that's just wonderful. What a tender scene or what a, you know, so, so I look at those moments and think, you know, don't get too soft now, you know, like this is a doggy dog world. (laughs) And, and I think I'm, you know, I I don't want to get too sentimental. I do want to get too ooey gooey about, and I'm thinking, why? The ooey gooey stuff is the good stuff. All of my thinking, all of my scheduling, all of my, you know, my determination tends to run roughshod over all of these tender moments, all of these things I'd like to linger with a little longer. It could be a conversation with a stranger. And I think, oh, shit, I got to go. But I'd really like to stay. 
well, I'd rather just know that my friends know that I am usually on time. And if I'm not on time, I'm going to tell them what just exciting happened or what was out of my control that happened, a flat tire or an accident or whatever. But my friends know that I don't leave them hanging. One of my spiritual principles is show up where I say I'm going to be when I say I'm going to be there. That's called integrity. I mean what I say as best of my ability. And then I act on it. That's how I show you I mean what I say. If I'm just saying it, All right. but I'm not acting it, you have every reason to doubt my words and believe my actions. Watch what I do. Listen to what I say. Okay, sure. But watch what I do. Do they line up? Does that look like uh, love? Does that look like caring? Doesn't, don't judge it. Feel it. Feel it. Does it feel like he cares? Does it feel like, he, like I matter to him? And I think generally the reaction is, yeah, he does. He doesn't agree with me, and that confuses me because I know <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> but he disagrees with me in a really nice way. He allows me to have my opinion, doesn't tell me I'm wrong. He just says, well, that's not how I see it. But I appreciate what it is you're sharing with me, and we'll get to know each other if we keep talking. So, Actually, what I, what I appreciate, Charlie, is when I know you disagree with me, but you don't tell me, but I know you do. And then that, that allows me to then reflect and say, okay, so what did I say that I think he doesn't agree with? And then that allows us to have another conversation somewhere down the, down the road. So I'm going to keep coming back to this for a minute because there is an aspect of faith in most religions. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there are a couple of different meanings for the word faith. In some cases, faith is meant to indicate a trust that there's something there that we can't see or measure. We might be able to feel it in some way, but we can't see it or measure. There's another definition for the word faith that is really more of a fealty or indebtedness to a spiritual being. Mm. So I don't, I'm not asking about that second definition, but the first definition, getting back to the concept of, is this sense of spirit, is this sense of helping other people out of love or is that something that we have to have faith in even though we can't really see it or measure it was that it that was it that was a a question mark at the end of that thank you thank you um no it's not faith like that when when i uh act on caring for you, no matter if it's a big uh, gesture or a small gesture, it doesn't matter. If you see that I kept 
you in mind that I cared. I, I, I don't know what's going to help. I know my intention is to care and caring in and of itself. If you see that I care is help in and of itself to know that somebody else in this world sees and cares is help. Then what it is I talk about when I think I see or care may or may not be helpful, but my intention is to contribute something to you, offer something to you that may be of use for you. If you don't want to use it or it doesn't feel useful to you, guess what? No matter how much I think it's going to be useful to you, you're not going to use it. You're just not. I could give you the Anybody perfect. with kids understands that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or anybody with a student of anything. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And we're all students of life. We're all students of our lives. We're trying to learn. That's what a student does. A student learns. If I can adopt a, a learning approach to my life, as opposed to I've learned enough, now I execute. I've execute everything I've learned to the end of my life because I'm done learning. I know what I believe in and I'm just going to do it. Well, maybe. Is there any subject that you've ever studied that stayed the same since you studied it in eighth grade? Is there any branch of knowledge? No, no, probably not. Nothing. Pluto is not even a planet, for Christ's sake. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Bleep that out. Um, but what I'm saying is that everything has evolved. Everything has changed, including, including me. So when I have an, a belief or an attitude or a feeling about something that was formed at an earlier level of awareness or experience with myself, and I haven't even like updated that awareness, like I haven't gone back because the situation hasn't arisen. I want to be more current with all of my, so sometimes I'll behave, I'll have a reaction that was from 10 years ago, and then, but I do it today and somebody goes, you still feel that way? Gosh, you know what? I haven't really even, <laughs> I haven't thought about that in 10 years. I may not feel that way anymore. But that's the second nature of the faith. Like, I want to be loyal to what I told myself I believed in. I don't want to be faint of faith. I want to be, uh, another word for that is stubborn. Now, what's the difference between dedicated and stubborn? Dedicated person is open-minded and willing to be flexible and adjustable still know what they're going for. They're dedicated to the goal of loving. They're dedicated to the goal of being kind. They're dedicated uh, to being a caring human being. How that shows up in this moment has got to be flexible, has got to be not based on doctrine, but on the moment of caring needs to be applied to this specific type of caring that's needed. Sometimes it's a touch, sometimes it's a sip of water, sometimes it's a, I see you, you know, uh, there's a hundred ways 
to support somebody without giving them a dollar. Most people are looking really for recognition and, and, and do I exist in your world? Will you even look me in the eye? Yeah. We even just know that I exist because we've all feel like I, I'm invisible for 98% of the people that walk by me. They just don't even look at me. I get it. We're all very scared and we're all very like minding our own business, especially in COVID. I mean, this is, we're in divisive politics right now. And we have people that are pushing us to pick really, really uh, brittle positions in opposition to each other. And that is not of love. That is, uh, battle lines are being drawn. And I don't understand necessarily over uh, what do we want to kill ourselves again over, because that's just what we do. We ask ourselves, is there not another way? And there is, but it's going to take courage to choose it. Doesn't take courage to be afraid, so afraid that you just lash out indiscriminately in the name of self preservation. It takes courage to look and say, I really care, and I'm really going to stand up against the things that are hurting us. Not because I'm mad, not because I'm better than you, but because if I don't, I'm not true to me. So I'm not fighting. I'm just saying, I don't agree with you. If you can allow me to disagree with you and not want to stomp me, we can still get along. We can be civil. We can be decent. We can be caring human beings who disagree and still be pulling in a direction of more perfect union, more Fair, equitable. Yeah, but where, where's the line, right? Because at what point is taking away someone's rights a point too far, right? So, you know, whether it's... I, I've heard it said, so this isn't just for me, but my rights end where they impede on you. I have the right to say, that's not how I'm going to do it. That's not how I feel about that. You have the right to say that too. And I want to respect yours. And I would like for you to respect mine. When you tell me that you can't respect mine, that I need to do it your way, I want to talk to you. I don't want to fight you. I want to talk to you. Tell me why that is or what that is. And if you're right, I'm going to agree with you. So I'm not going to dismiss you out of hand, but I am going to ask you what makes you so positive that you're correct for me. I know that you think you're correct for you. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm asking you what gives you such confidence 
And if you tell me it's in somebody else's words, somebody else's beliefs, somebody else's what they told you, I want, I want to know what you feel. Don't tell me what somebody else told you. Tell me what you feel is correct. And we'll talk about that. So if you honestly have the conviction of something, you and I can talk about that conviction. Just don't parrot somebody else's talking points and tell me that you believe them and you can't really tell me what they mean. When I take away your equal right, I have violated something about love, which is free will. You have the right to be wrong. You have not... You do not have the right to tell me that I'm wrong unless I'm hurting you with what I'm doing. Because it's never right to hurt you. It's never my right to hurt you. It is my right to disagree with you. But it's not my right to hurt you. It is my right to defend myself if you try to hurt me. But I can defend myself without trying to hurt you back. I don't want to fight. I, I think that the challenge, well, there's a ton of challenges, but one of the challenges is that people feel threatened that their belief system is going to, is under attack. And they believe that the only way to protect it is to have every rule that's on the books work their work in their favor uh, what their belief system is and so you talk about the rights ending you know what you're but they assume that the right for their entire religious belief they assume that that's all theirs to protect and not just them is theirs to protect. Protect is one thing. Project is another. I will protect your right to believe what you want. I will not protect your right to project that onto somebody else. So I don't know if this is a fair question or not. So if it isn't, just tell me. Uh, and we can we can move on. But do you believe in a spiritual being, a God, a higher power? Not a personified. Okay. Uh, so there's there's not some overlord. There's no uh, plan. What there is for me, and in my experience of my humanity is um, a marvelous emergent of uh, energies that, that became uh, sentient, became aware of itself. And as, as it organized, as, as life over eons organized, into more and more complex and variations of themes 
you know, 98%, I think, of our DNA is uh, similar to all the other life forms on this particular uh, globe. So, so the 2% of us, I mean, the 2% that's different, it just represents the 100% of my differences. And I want to think I'm, I, I am not like anything else, but I'm really not really that much different than everything else either. And the distinction that we have learned between organic and inorganic has blurred completely. It, it, even like as we breathe here, Cap, I'm taking things out of the air that are inorganic. And I'm putting them into my organic processes. Mm -hmm. So when they're in my organic processes, are they now organic? They have to be. The oxygen and, the, and whatever else that I'm taking in is part of my processes. So they're absorbed in my lungs, into my bloodstream, do all the things. So they are organic now. And then at some point, I let them go again. Not in exactly the same form. I took what I needed and let go of the rest. And I keep doing that every day. Uh, many, 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 many times. I'm changing inorganic into organic and putting organic back out into inorganic. So there's no distinction in the building blocks of what constitute this table and what constitutes my body. We're all the same stardust. We're all the same building block materials. So now, what is life? It's the same question as what is spirit? Because I'm not a block of wood. I mean, I, I'm as thick as a block of wood, but <laughs> I'm not a block of wood. But if I'm made of the same stuff, how is it that the way it's combined in me I call life, and the way it's combined in this table, I call it wood or something. Furniture, yeah. Yeah, furniture. But if I break it down, burn it, and I breathe in some of whatever is in that smoke that comes off the wood, I may actually incorporate some particles of that into my organic self that I had no idea. Like, I needed uh, that amount of wood, just like I need... 2% of, I mean, some iron, or I need iodized salt, or I need, I mean, minuscule amounts of certain chemicals I need, and I take from the environment in ways that I don't even necessarily know I'm taking them. My body knows what it's doing. I'm long for the ride sometimes. I don't know all my processes. It just does it. And I'm very grateful for it. But I think I'm in control. And Nah, I'm in cooperation, even with my own body. If I don't cooperate with my body, I suffer. I don't get the rest, the nutrition, the exercise, the, everything that a healthy body needs, I suffer. Same way with my emotions, same way with new ideas. I need other people to give me a chance to get out of my painted-in corner. You know, where I am in my brain, like I can't, I'm stuck. But when I listened to a person who cares about me, isn't trying to criticize me or judge me, just wants to get to know what, what's going on in there. 
and I tell you and you tell me what's going on inside of you, we pick up on things from each other that help you grow as Cap, help me grow as Charles, and it's value added. Mm -hmm. So we both go away from each conversation we had, each podcast, each tennis match, we go away better for the experience, not worse. That's love. Love is a value-added enterprise. That's what friendship is. It's a value. It enriches me in ways that I can't, uh, like, diagram for you. I can't explain how it does it. But if I were to tell you that it didn't, I would be lying. And if I told myself, it doesn't matter, I don't need to explain this. Well, all right, don't explain it, but can I feel like what it is without trying to explain it? Can I respect it, appreciate it, and nurture it without trying to explain it? And when I say, I have a really good friend, Cap, and my other good friend, Paul, goes, is he a better friend than me? I want to look at Paul and say, well, what has that got to do with us, Paul? Am I not as good a friend to this you? This is the first time you're mentioning Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Paul? <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> so do you have a hero or role model for spirituality? No. Okay. I, I, I see them every day. I tell them, you're my hero. I go up to people. I say, I just saw what you did. You're my hero. And they look at me like, like, well, okay, you know, I'll take that small little hero uh, moment. And that's awesome. I, I, I don't want them, I, I don't think like, now they're going to think too big of themselves for the rest <laughs> of their lives. No. No, it's just like, ooh. when I, when I, care enough to notice the people around me, I can see some of the really good choices they're making. And they're just being really decent. They're being really observant and cooperative and nice. I, I'd rather go up and say that to them than the one person who threw a piece of trash on the ground going, hey, pick that up. I'll go pick it up. And if somebody sees me pick it up and they go, well, you didn't have to do that. And I say, yeah, that's what makes it so much fun. <laughs> if I had to do it, I wouldn't do it. If you tell me it's my responsibility to pick up that piece of paper, the very first thing I'm going to say is I didn't drop it. But if you say you have a choice to pick it up, would you like to leave it there or pick it up? What would you like to do, Charlie? Yeah. Not for anybody else's sake, just for you. So if I pick it up, I'm being true to me. How do I want to be complimented for being true to me. What's, the, what's up with that? I just get to be true to me. If I open the door, I'm being true to me. If you say thank you, you're being true to you. If you don't say, you're still being true to you. If you don't say thank you, I don't take that personally. You're just being you. In that moment, that doesn't make you an, a jerk. In that moment, maybe you really did have gas, you had to get to a bathroom. I don't know. But if I take every little thing I do nice and that doesn't get acknowledged and feel like none of it matters, nobody even notices, then I'm looking for the praise. I'm not looking to be true to me. And that's why I know what my motive is. 
My motive is to care. And if nobody sees that I care, I don't care. I mean, meaning I don't care that they, right. but I'm still going to care. And that's what I call caring with abandon or daring to care. No matter what anybody else might think, I'm foolish, I'm idealistic, I'm romantic. I'm, I'm, I mean, not romantic in a physical sense, but in a, I have an idealized versions of what mankind or human beings should do or could do. And look at him out there trying to, what, change the world? No. I just want to be true to myself as I pass the rest of my days in this world. Do you believe there's any relationship between science and spirituality? <laughs> well, yes. Science is something that humans do. Spirit is something that humans have. So I can bring my spirit and spirituality into a scientific endeavor. But I'm going in there with not thinking I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to, whatever. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to win a Pulitzer Prize. What are you in the science for? Are you in it because it's fascinating and you're really engaged? Or are you in it to make a name for yourself and, and whatever else? Because one will feel good and one will feel like, I'm probably just going to waste away doing research for the rest of my life and never have a breakthrough discovery that anybody would say, that was worth all those 40 years of doing. So there are a lot of people who toil in the sciences for very spiritual reasons. Solve cancer, grow a better plant for hunger purposes. Lots of things that I can do and bring my spirit to that are very practical, very even knowledge-based. I mean, there are certain things that if I'm doing it without a monetary motive or an ego motive, if I'm doing it out of the wellness for all, because it's a problem that we're up against, then yes, apply yourself, but don't lose sight of the spirit of what you're doing. And then put the project ahead of people. Like, like getting the project done becomes more important than how I'm treating the people who are helping me get the project done. The project doesn't have a life of its own. We bring the project to life. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that answer. I'm going to ask the question a little bit differently. I probably didn't answer it the way you wanted. No, it's not about answering the way I wanted. It's about uh, I'm what I'm trying to get at is, well, let me just ask the question differently and yes. we'll go from there. Yeah. If there was a scientific study that came out that proved that there's a, a quantum principle at work and shows that we are all connected on some quantum level, would it make a difference to you? In, in, in with regards to spirituality? Yeah, uh, and particularly with the aspect of 
we are all connected as beings. If that were proven, would it make a difference to you? No. Okay. I, I believe that we are. I believe that, that uh, the essence of that energy that I, that I participate in and have a unique fingerprint on, which is currently called Charles, um, is, is the same as, uh, as, as uh, the individualized snowflake in a blizzard. Like it's, it's unique. And if you just watch that snowflake's journey through the whole blizzard, it would have a story to tell. Where it, what it bounced off against, what happened on the way, how it got carried back up, how it came down, how it landed, how it fell, what avalanche it took place in, what tree branch it landed on, whatever. Each individual snowflake is going to have a story. It's going to have a journey. But it's still snow. It's still part of a bigger picture. But it's still individualized. It's specific to that snowflake. And when I want to come down as a snowflake going, oh, isn't this great? We're all snowflakes. And if somebody goes, well, my snowflake is bigger than your snowflake. Or, yeah, you're a liberal snowflake. Right, right. <laughs> or, yeah. Or you're just going to melt when you hit the first resistance. <laughs> I'd Probably. That's what snowflakes do. But. The, the point that I'm trying to make is, make is the, the, the uniqueness of you in no way contradicts our commonness. I actually love that metaphor because the snowflakes all come from the same source. They, some of them melt immediately and move into something else some other form. and and some of them stick around for long thousands long time. and thousands and thousands of years i know so to wrap this up what do you think happens to our energy after our body is gone You talked about science, and I'll just, one of the uh, principles that we're currently operating under is that matter and energy can neither be created nor destroyed. So if I am energy in uh, this configuration right now, my energy will transform. Some of it will be uh, utilized in other forms or fashion, but the energy realm of my spirit in my experience, remains intact. It, it, it just represents uh, that unique passage. Now, whether, it, whether I'm currently in liquid, solid, or gaseous form, that's physical. But what my spirit does is my spirit invests in whatever form I've taken and incorporates in that form. So maybe I could be a rock. And we think that 
rocks don't have any kind of consciousness because we don't speak their language. But there are times where um, in our history, as I've expressed every everything was deified. There was the God of the brook. There was yes. the God of the, you know, so we saw this vivla force or whatever it is, this energy that was pulsing through all the life around us. And we realized it was pulsing through us too. We didn't know what to call it. What the heck would we call it? Which is learning words, which Merriam-Webster's dictionary didn't even exist. And we're trying to express this to each other. Like, what is this thing that's bigger than us? And we come up with some words and some ideas. And some people say, yeah, that sounds right. That, that kind of, and then some people want to feel like they know more about this than somebody else. And that's the way human nature will develop. And they'll tell themselves that they're an authority and somebody else goes, okay, you can be the authority. And, and then we get religions. It's like it was intended to help us along a spiritual developmental path. But now it's just basically saying, sit down, shut up, we'll tell you what to believe. And once a week is insufficient to grow me along spiritual lines. It just is not enough. Amen. All right. Well, as uh, typically happens, I had a list of questions and I think I asked you two, maybe three questions off the list today. But uh, as always, I am enlightened and I have grown from the conversation. So thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the, the talk today. Well, Cap, it, it's a subject that will come up again. The general agreement amongst spiritual seekers is that if anything is spiritual then everything is spiritual because you can't quarantine spirit it is pervasive it is an approach to life that gives it direction and purpose and ultimately opens us up to a fuller human experience. Love is what opens us up to a fuller human experience. Fear shuts us down to a very, very, very small human experience. All right. We will leave it there today. Thanks for joining us for today's discussion. We don't know why you listen, but we sure appreciate that you do. In Charlie's words, we're just stuffing messages in bottles and tossing them in the ocean with the hope that we aren't accused of polluting. If you find any value in our conversations, please take a minute to write a review or rate the podcast. Every little bit helps to build an audience. As much as we enjoy throwing out messages in bottles, our hope is that one or two people find them, open them up, and read a message that hasn't been waterlogged. We hope your journey is filled with wonder and that every day you find time to feel for connections in the universe and that your spiritual journey brings you the rewards you're looking for. Be good to each other and be good to your planet.